0: This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhallcom forward slash higher education.
1: Welcome to CBO Speaks, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO, John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is for you to gain greater insight into the challenges and rewards of the chief business officer role. Find out more from today's episode at www.nakubo.org.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for being here today. My name is Megan Strand, your host today, and I'm here today with Brett Dalton, Vice President of Finance and Operations at Clemson University. Hello, Brett. Hello, Megan. You've been at Clemson for 20 plus years in a variety of roles. I was hoping you could start us off today by talking us through your progression from starting out as a research associate all the way to VP. Can you give us sort of a, a high-level overview of how that all happened?
1: Yeah, I'll try to move quickly through that. Uh, I did began at the university as a research associate, uh, studied economics here, and during my uh, graduate studies, I uh, became really close with my graduate advisor, who at the time was doing a lot of research and environmental policy markets analysis, gave me the opportunity to come back and work for him and with him and Really, during that time, I, I fell in love with higher education. Mm. I realized that higher education provided uh, the things that interested and motivated me about how higher education can transform individual lives, transform communities and society in a positive way. And I really decided while I was working for him in that research role that this was the industry that I wanted to be a part of. There aren't a lot of industries that can claim to to transform lives and improve the human condition like higher ed can Mm. and uh i just saw it as a as a great place to work that gave me the variety and the uh the things that, that really I was looking for. So uh, following that experience, I went to work in the finance division at the university as a budget analyst and then as university's first director of financial planning and then spent close to 10 years as the uh, associate to the provost, uh, the business officer for all of the colleges and the academic support divisions got heavily involved in strategic planning financial planning and um and then from there um ended up being hired as the uh, chief financial officer at the time then during the great recession the position of chief financial officer and chief business officer were merged into the vice president for finance and operations and that's that's what I've been doing uh, for about the past nine years.
0: You make it sound so easy. <laughs> so when you, when you think back over that career trajectory, were there things that were particularly challenging for you as you were sort of climbing the ranks or things that you really felt you needed to bolster up from a skill set perspective as you were setting your sights on higher and higher roles?
1: You know, I think the most valuable experience that I had during that entire time that probably gave me the best education for the job that I currently have was working in the academic community, hmm. um, working directly in the provost office for uh, for many years, uh, almost 10, maybe a little over 10, and really understanding the colleges, the faculty, the research, the instruction, understanding and embracing and, uh, if, if you will, kind of uh, getting passionate about our, our core product. Uh, I think understanding why we're here, and understanding the core product to the university was the most essential uh component of of me being able to to do the job that I do now
0: well and you probably-
1: so so I would argue that you know not coming through perhaps the traditional financial ranks mm-hmm. or a traditional financial path from you know perhaps an analyst to a controller to this job uh was actually an advantage for me.
0: I've heard from a lot of CBOs that communication ends up being a really important skill set. So I can imagine having that experience really helped you understand different perspectives of different people around the university and better able to communicate as a as a CBO.
1: I I like to think so. During that time, I had to work uh, you know hand in hand with the faculty senate, with department chairs, deans, individual faculty members, and that is the university. So having that, that experience, understanding those different perspectives, understanding and having to work in a shared governance environment mm-hmm. with faculty, faculty senate, uh, understanding the role of the faculty manual and, and everything that goes into that, I, I think was a, a really valuable opportunity.
0: What advice would you give to people who maybe are on more of a traditional path to get that exposure if, if they don't have it in a professional standpoint?
1: yeah that's a that's a really good question because it's not practical to uh, you know throw away your career as a controller <laughs> or a budget director or whatever that might be. but I think that it's critically important for you to get out of your silo, get out of your comfort zone, uh, get to know the provost, get to know department chairs, get to know the deans, work with them, make your team If you're if you're a budget director, if you're a controller, whatever it might be, reach out academic community, uh, break down those silos, work with them collaboratively, help them accomplish their goals. Uh, they have expertise in one particular area, but they really need the expertise of financial professor, uh, professionals, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, analysts, controllers, accountants, to to accomplish their their programmatic goals. So I think breaking down those silos, reaching across the borders, and working collaboratively with the academic community, which is why we're here, uh, will really prepare. Real, Prepare you to do better in your current job. And if you desire to advance, it will certainly give you an opportunity that I believe would not otherwise be available.
0: You've been at Clemson for a good chunk of time, as we just talked about, which I think gives you a really unique perspective into change and evolution, specifically at one university. Can right. you think of a, a, maybe a pivotal moment that you think really fundamentally changed what it means to be a CBO?
1: You know, I've thought a lot about that. And I can't get out of my mind the experience that we went through here, and I think most of my counterparts went through, uh, particularly at other public universities, uh, that would be the, the Great Recession.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, at, at Clemson, I'll give you some some data points, and it may help you understand why I say this. Um, at Clemson, we went from $165 million in annual state funding in 2008 to eighty-seven million dollars in two thousand and twelve, wow. we lost over forty million dollars in recurring funding in a single year. So that that was truly a pivotal, a pivotal <laughs> moment, and um, I, I think in our industry, and certainly, you know, in my job as a professional here, everything that had been standard in the past, everything that that we had known that we had grown comfortable with had to change almost overnight. In our case, it had to change overnight. $40 million of recurring funding lost in a single year uh, requires pretty quick action. Um, I've said it required us to embrace the unimaginable, not just the unexpected, but we had to embrace what had previously been unimaginable and deal with it in a successful manner and to accept that, that the world had fundamentally changed, particularly for public higher education.
0: What did you take from th- that experience? What did you learn that you're still using today?
1: Probably the importance of uh, being flexible, the importance of being nimble, the importance of recognizing market shifts and trying to stay ahead of those mm-hmm. instead of reactive. Mm-hmm. Um and also just being comfortable in a world of uh, much greater uncertainty and 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 fast change that had not been the norm in higher education for for most of our history so that those are a few of the things that I think have become a part of our our culture now
0: how do you stay ahead of market shifts what sorts of resources do you turn to to kind of stay apprised or things maybe you do in your own daily life that might be different than they were pre two thousand and eight.
1: Being an economist um, as opposed to an accountant, and a lot of the folks in our industry in these jobs, uh, you know, are accountants, CPAs. I think that maybe my background as an economist gives me a little. A bit of a competitive advantage there mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I'm always interested in the future. I'm always looking at industry trends, not just in higher education, but what's going on globally, what's right. going on in the market, what's going on in the world, and how might some of those uh, market changes and forces come to bear on higher education. Mm-hmm. Um, higher education as an industry tends to lag in uh, in in many of those adaptations that that occur, so I think reading, staying abreast of what's going on, talking to your peers, getting outside of your industry, getting outside of higher education, you know, talking to people in energy, talking to people in healthcare, talking to people in technology, understanding the forces that will come that will come to bear on higher education in the future I think will will help all of us. And and the Kubo has also done a good job, I think, of forcing CBOs and other professionals in our industry to uh, to look at those trends, to look at what's what's coming, you know, a year, two, three years out.
0: Anything you're watching right now that that's particularly interesting to you?
1: Well the regulatory environment is is always interesting. Mm-hmm and uh, presents challenges, so uh, the, the focus on affordability, the focus on access, the focus on student debt, uh, all of those are things that, uh, the focus on outcome measures, uh, the, the the focus on uh, the report cards, and, you know, greater accountability and transparency, all of those variables, I think, are going to play a major role in the future of higher education, certainly technology, and, Uh, Higher education seemingly becoming more segregated into, um, I'll I'll use three crude categories. You know, one category which is more vocational and job preparation focused. The other would be more of a a commodity-based degree program, and then that that high-end, premium, unique experience. That um, might be available at, at higher end research universities and elite private schools. There seems to be a much greater market segmentation than I think we've had historically. So, understanding where where does your institution currently fit? Is that where you want to stay? where do you believe your best opportunities are and then are you developing and executing plans that will ensure success in whatever you know market segment you're you're working in and i realize some of that is out of the hands of the uh cfo or the cbo but the CFO and CBO should be at the table with the president, the provost, and uh, and in some cases, boards, governing boards and others, and charting that future.
0: I want to talk a little bit more about your day-to-day work, if we can. What aspect of your profession or your job right now are you most excited about?
1: I guess I would I would have to say, let, let's talk about Clemson and, you know, specifically what I'm doing here, here now. Absolutely. Um, we are in a transition. Uh, we have a new president, a new provost, um, new vice presidents, a lot of new deans. For 15 years, we uh, we thrived and we're, we're blessed to have uh, the same president, Jim Barker. 15 years, we essentially had the same provost for 15 years, a very stable leadership team, and most of those leaders retired or made a change in their career at about the same time. Mm-hmm. So we are a university in transition when it comes to, to leadership. Um, so that presents, you know, great opportunities, but also great challenges. During this transition, the university is reorganizing um, all of the academic colleges. Uh, we are creating seven totally new colleges from what had been five very different colleges, um, new organizational structures in many of the support areas, and I am co-chairing the uh, the university's strategic planning efforts along with the associate provost and co-chairing the university's reorganization efforts with the associate provost. So uh, that's exciting and it's challenging mm-hmm. um, to have been a part of of such a real special time in our university's history over the past 15 years to now having the opportunity to to play a leadership role as a team member in transitioning and preparing the university for for the next 10-15 years.
0: Wow, that is exciting. Sounds like a big challenge. It
1: it is, but I'm I'm easily bored. That's one of my <laughs> that's one of my weaknesses and uh, maybe at times a strength.
0: Absolutely. What are you doing now in your role that you never imagined you would be doing 10 years ago?
1: Oh, that's easy. A podcast.
0: (laughs) I'm not going to let you get away with that. I'm not even sure I knew what a podcast was when I started this. (laughs) Does that speak to the technology of of your current role? Uh, It does. Is that something that you find throughout your role that is different than what you might have expected? Just having access to new technologies and students with technologies that change the whole trajectory of of education?
1: You know, you said you weren't going to let me get away with that. uh, And I understand. (laughs) But the the question about, you know, what am I doing that I couldn't imagine? If you'll indulge me, I'd like to go back to when I was offered and accepted this job. I remember talking with the president at the time uh, about what the future holds. And we both Uh, It's like we had a shared understanding that the future was very uncertain, that we would both be dealing with and our university leadership team would be dealing with uh, things that we could not yet identify. And we talked about the need to be nimble, to be agile, to be flexible, to embrace change, to be prepared for change, a less Glamorous way of saying that is, you know, I ask myself, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> um, so, in many ways, I was looking for a, a new adventure, and I saw this as, you know, as an opportunity to uh, to challenge myself and to be a part of a of a leadership team that um, that had plans, that had goals, that had uh, direction, but that obviously would be facing. A lot of challenges and, and uncertainty. Um so in many ways I you know the unexpected was was embraced. Um we knew technology was was changing rapidly, but um I, I don't I don't think any of that has been too overwhelming aside from the podcast.
0: Gotta take it day by day. And today yep. it's the podcast. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> 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 when you think about your colleagues and I, i'm sure you have many c b o colleagues as you 're speaking to them, what would you say the biggest challenge that faces all c b o s What is that challenge that is facing everyone today
1: that you know that 's a a really good question. I think that it 's a challenge that faces higher education in general, and that is the challenge of attracting cultivating. Developing and retaining the type of leadership that's required for our individual institutions to uh, to thrive as well as for our our industry to thrive. Uh, higher education is not typically one of the most attractive environments in terms of income uh, you know a public university uh, we don 't have stock we don 't have stock sharing plans we don 't have uh profit sharing and uh, you know stock options so uh, you have to to be able to attract people to this environment that are motivated for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know you need bright people we need the brightest minds possible in this industry but we don't have the the financial tools and the ability to to attract them like like many private industries do so i really believe that our greatest challenge is attracting the the best quality leadership to deal with all of these other market forces and factors that we've been talking about
0: any tricks up your sleeve for how you're doing that internally at Clemson?
1: You know, we spend a lot of time um more so than ever actively trying to identify people that are interested in higher education or that have perhaps the personality traits that that lead them to be motivated by more than just income. Uh, finding those people that are really bright, that are hardworking, that are committed, that are team players. Uh, They enjoy and thrive on the change, the variety, uh, working with different people. It's one of the greatest industries in our country. If you enjoy variety, if you enjoy diversity, if you enjoy people from every known culture, if you enjoy people from Every discipline, you know, on Earth—from philosophy and religion to uh, chemical engineering to to physics—it's a—it's a really unique opportunity. But the key is to to identify the people that are interested in that type of environment and are motivated, perhaps by by helping to transform individual lives, society, you know, as opposed to just making a commodity product or maximizing their income. So I think being very aggressive and proactive in identifying and recruiting talent is, is the key. Um, our recruiting historically was, was more passive. and We find that we have to work a lot harder to identify people now.
0: What about when it comes to retaining those leaders? What sorts of things do you feel are important?
1: Well, I think people have to be compensated fairly, and um, higher education, I believe and I hope, is paying more attention to that. Um, If we're going to attract the top IT talent, um, we're going to have to compete with with the private market and attracting you know, those types of people, financial professionals otherwise. So I do believe that higher education is becoming a little bit more competitive uh, on the income side. But secondarily, I think most people that are attracted to this environment um, stay interested and stay committed when they have the ability to make direct contributions to something meaningful, Mm -hmm. when they have an opportunity to continue to learn, when they have an opportunity to work in a a team environment that's rewarding, um, that allows them, you know, fulfillment in in what they're doing. So I think for me uh, as a leader, the key is how can I continue to help people develop and achieve their own personal and professional goals. Mm-hmm. So understanding those people individually and then collectively as a team and and trying to create the conditions that allow them to, to thrive and to reach their, their goals and to maximize their potential, th- those are essential elements.
0: Any advice you would give to potential future CBOs?
1: There's one thing that really stands out to me, and it, it may be a bit of a theme here, but I think it's critically important um, for future CBOs or folks that that may think they want to be a CBO to be certain that they that they're committed to to higher education. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you're in love with finance or if you are in love with administration or human resources or facilities or operations, you you may not be satisfied in higher education. I think you really have to embrace the purpose of our industry, and that's to improve the human condition, both individually and collectively in society. And embracing that and understanding that as financial professionals or administrative professionals, that's why we're here. We're not here for finance or for HR. We're here to help transform individual lives and society and make the the human condition better. So embracing higher ed and and what we can do in our supporting role, uh, I think, is essential.
0: Well, thank you so much, Brett, for your time today and for sharing such an interesting peek into your own personal career.
1: Well, thank you, Megan, and thanks to, to Nakubo. Um, Nakubo has been a, a really invaluable source of, uh, of learning for me and for all of our team, uh, the network that you all provide, as well as the content.
0: You can find out more about Brett and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks in iTunes so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Brett and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhallcom forward slash higher education.